there and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. I'm Richard Byram and joining me on the line again as usual this week is my colleague Peter Smith. Peter is the Yorkshire Evening Post Chief Rugby League writer and he also contributes match reports and other stories to our sister paper, the Yorkshire Post. A couple of big bits of news this week, the main one being the uh, withdrawal of Australia and New Zealand from the World Cup. We haven't spoken about the World Cup too much in recent weeks because we were waiting to see exactly what was going to happen. And I think ultimately, Peter, our worst fears were concerned, uh, confirmed, sadly. Yeah, not a huge shock. The announcement came um, a week after the organisers had said the tournament was definitely going ahead. They'd passed the point of no return and it would be happening. The tournament organisers were apparently given five minutes notice that um, the Aussies and Kiwis were going to make this announcement and it's gone down as probably as, as well as you'd expect. It's been widely condemned on both hemispheres. Um, did create some publicity, which which was nice. I've yeah. <laughs> never seen Rugby League um, create as many news headlines. It was mentioned in Parliament. Um, was covered on channels and in publications that wouldn't normally take any notice of, of rugby league. So that was a plus point. But it's just it's just very depressing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we have mentioned numerous times on here that um, particularly the NRL clubs aren't interested in international competition. They're not interested in anything outside um, the NRL and state of origin, which they consider to be uh, the pinnacle of rugby league. They they don't care about playing playing against teams like England or um, any of the other world nations. Really, they um, they regard the World Cup as as a nuisance and international competition generally as a nu- nuisance. And they've made that quite clear with the decision not to come. They say it's for player safety and welfare reasons, but the players haven't been asked. The players seem quite keen to come over um i don't think it's anything to do with that really it's just it's just um the nrl don't want to eat into their pre-season after what's obviously been a difficult season for them with um with covid what will happen next we have to wait and see i think the world cup is going to go ahead that seems um seems likely at the moment i think that is the right approach if the Aussies and Kiwis don't want to come well stuff them yeah. as uh, as you might say <laughs> let's uh, let's play without without yeah. them we don't we don't need them the for rugby league people obviously it would leave it would lose some credibility but i think for the for the wider public people who don't watch rugby league on a regular basis they're just going to see england competing in a in a world cup and um, if England win it, then they would celebrate that as as an achievement. There are ways you could get Australian teams involved. You could probably make up two very competitive teams from players already based in Super League. I mean, remember, it's only a month since Combined Nations beat England. That was a team made up largely of um, Aussies and Kiwis playing over in Super League with some England players as well they'd be England they'd be very competitive I think if you you drew up a invitational Australian and an invitational Kiwi side alternatively 
other teams could be brought in to the tournament to replace them. Um, whatever happens, I think it needs to go ahead. So much time, effort and money has been put into this tournament. Tickets are on sale. It's been supported by the government. It's been marketed really well. It, it needs to go ahead. Um, I wonder if there might be some sort of climb down from the two governing bodies uh, in the Southern Hemisphere now they've seen the response to their to their announcement and particularly clearly a lot of Australian Kiwi players want to come and play in the World Cup it might be the only opportunity they get and they're keen to do it yeah some suggestions obviously that um, a lot of them are would be eligible for other nations who are competing and maybe they'll play for those other nations which would strengthen them considerably um, and that that would be nice to see as well but how however it pans out I think there will be the World Cup and I think it will be a, a good tournament and um, if it has to be without Australia and New Zealand then so be it it would certainly make a, a nice change for um, for England to lose to um, Serbia <laughs> or uh, or Wales or France in the semi-final <laughs> rather than uh, rather than Australia and New Zealand like we normally do <laughs> I'm laughing, but I don't know why, because <laughs> we all know how it ends. <laughs> but but yes, ironically, um, Australia and New Zealand not playing, as you say, in has created a, a huge amount of publicity. Not all of it good, but it's certainly got uh, everybody talking about the Rugby League World Cup and drew it to a lot more people's attention. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I think the more world-weary of Among Us... Uh, who followed rugby league for for quite a few years? It wasn't a real surprise that Australia and New Zealand decided that they weren't coming. Um, but if they're the ca cards that we're going to be dealt, then you know, as you say, let's get on with it and let's put on a tournament uh, for those who do want to be there. I have to say, I do feel sorry for the Australia and New Zealand players. Uh, it's becoming clearer and clearer that they weren't consulted at all about this decision and have just been told. Uh, we're not going, lads, and that's it. And, and ladies too, you know, we're not going and that's the end of it. Uh, so they're obviously very disgruntled. You know, every player, whatever the sport, wants to play at the highest level, even if some of their governing bodies don't want them to. And, uh, you know, for most players uh, and, and both sexes, you know, the pinnacle is some kind of global tournament, isn't it? Whether it's football, rugby league, rugby union, cricket, whatever you want to name, tiddlywinks, darts, you know, everybody wants to have a claim to be, I once played in the best team or individual event and I was the best one in the world at that. Uh, but as you say, some of the different teams coming forward, your Tongas and, uh, and, and England themselves, of course, uh, you know, it, it, it could, you know, somebody else winning the trophy uh, apart from Australia and or New Zealand, you know, might give the game a great shot in the arm. You know, it might create some different publicity, different interest in those countries and encourage more people in those countries to watch the game and get involved with it, which is one of the main spin-offs of any world tournament, isn't it? What, what, again, whatever the sport, if there's a good uh, World Cup version of it, then generally teams uh, in the host nation and the nations that do well do pick up from that in terms of uh, more interest, more people wanting to play, more people wanting to watch the domestic teams and the national team and buy their kit and become a part of it. Uh, 
you know, everybody likes to follow a winning team. So, I, you know, say ironically, uh, there might be some benefits uh, for the rest of the world out of those two countries not playing. Uh, as, as you also pointed out, you could still see a, a U-turn somewhere down the line where uh, teams are sent or uh, weakened teams are sent over to play or players who, you know, do you want to go and, you know, a pool of players picked from that, you know, anybody who might be worried about COVID or safety or health and safety or whatever uh, may be given the option to to miss out and stay at home. Uh, and those who want to come may be supplemented, as you say, by players already here in the domestic competition, uh, both here and in France, of course, where Catalans have a few Aussie players. And... Uh, or as it's been suggested, uh, some of the smaller nations uh, put them in the shop window, your Serbias and your USAs a bit more, or, or indigenous um, teams have also been suggested, haven't they? Or, or players trying to get round it, in effect, maybe Kiwis who are, have a tongue and heritage going, going to play for them instead. And, and again, you know, getting round the withdrawal that way. So I think, again, it'll be a story that it certainly isn't over by any stretch of the imagination. And I think uh, probably when, as you say, the clubs have seen or the, the, the national bodies have seen the reaction from fans around the world and indeed their own fans at home and their own players, uh, they may well give it a few more weeks to see what the COVID situation is like here and at home. Because, of course, there are... Um, issues aren't there with getting back into Australia and New Zealand at the moment? I think it's a, their borders are closed and it's a fourteen-day quarantine, I believe, which again is one of the reasons that the NRL want their players over there rather than them being stuck in limbo anywhere. Uh, so there could well be maybe by the end of the su summer holidays, uh, early September, some kind of U-turn, and I'm sure the organisers of the competition here uh, probably keeping the door open uh, via the back channels for those two countries to come in. Mm. Yeah, it'll be, um, be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, they're going to need to get all this sorted out sooner rather than later. The yeah. tournament kicks off in less than three months' time now. But the in a way, as you say, it's not... But the announcement's not done the tournament any harm in terms of, um, of publicity, certainly. There's a lot of people saying, oh, typical rugby league, but you can't blame the organisers no, for no, this, not I don't think. Um, it's down to the, the Aussies and the Kiwis administrators over there to get their act together and, and realise that they're out of step with everybody else and to to suck it up, really, and say, yeah, we'll, we'll take part. That would... Um, restore their credibility I think um, you know to a large extent they, they obviously Australia are the best team in the world we all we all know that but um, it'd certainly get an interesting tournament if they weren't here with um, with an uncertainty of outcome which we don't normally have in these um, these events so Whatever happens, I, I think we'll have a ton and hopefully we'll have a, an interesting and enjoyable one. I'm I'm looking forward to it, with or without the um, the Aussies and Kiwis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would echo all of that, Peter. You know, I think 
it will be a good tournament regardless and I still think there's be some shocks and uh, I say not the biggest one would be that those two teams actually turn up in the end but if they don't then that's as it is you know it would go down not with an asterisk against the winner's name as such but an asterisk against the tournament as a whole saying um, you know these two teams chose not to come for in due to the global pandemic or whatever um, and that's up to them uh, but I, I still think this story is going to a bit more to run uh, before it's finally finished and whatever happens I think the tournament now should go ahead and uh, I'm certain in the weeks in coming up we'll be talking about it further but for now if we go on to the domestic game Peter and the big story that you had to cover this week Luke Gale being stripped of the Lee Rhinos captaincy yeah it's unfortunate I think um, I would urge anybody to have a read of Luke Gale's column in the Evening Post this week which is online now as we speak we're recording this on Tuesday evening the column has just gone online it'll be in Wednesday's paper um, in that he explains his feelings about what's happened, um, outlines what ha- what happened. If effectively, he had um, a disagreement with Coach Richard Agar in a team meeting. Um, after that, he didn't feel mentally right, he says, to, um, to take part in training and went home. And that is the... Um, the action which has led to him being stripped of the captaincy. He admits he made a mistake. Um, he admits it was was not professional. And he says he he's spoken to the players and the squad and apologised and said that he feels he's let everybody down. Um, and his aim now is to move on and um, and get back to doing what he does best on the rugby field. He's back in the squad. Well, he's in the squad anyway for the um, Salford game last week, but not selected. He's in the 21 to face Hall on Thursday, and I'd expect him to play in that, and I'd expect him to have a have a good game. He's had a difficult season with injuries and a suspension, and um, hasn't probably hasn't hit his best form yet, but he's a quality player, and when he does, he's going to be hugely effective for Leeds. I would hope, from a Rhino's point of view, that that's the end of it now and um, whatever differences there were have been fully patched up and they can both parties can can get on with things because I think Luke Gale's good for Rhinos I think Rhinos are, are good for Luke Gale he's a Leeds lad he began his career at Leeds he's always supported the club um, it's the club he wants to play for and I would hope that um, they can get back to business as normal, um, big game at Hull coming up. And if he can go out there and, and play really well and guide the team around the pitch and help Leeds get a victory, then I think to a large extent what's happened over the past week or so will be forgotten. Yeah, I think all about the performances on the pitch now for Luke, isn't it? He's, he's got to put whatever's gone on behind him. And it sounds like all parties have agreed that that will happen, you know, that uh, the matter's closed, according to the Leeds club and the player. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Luke, as you say, will be fired up uh, for his next appearance in the Blue and Amber because, you know, as you say, the club obviously means a lot to him. He's a Leeds lad and uh, he obviously 
waited quite a long time for his chance at Headingley, didn't he? He went to a couple yeah. of other clubs before he came back. And uh, whatever's gone on, I'm, I'm sure there's regret on all sides. Uh, but they've just got to get on with it now. I think Leeds have had enough disruption this season and probably another unwelcome diversion that led to quite a fair bit of nonsense on Twitter with conspiracy theories and theories and blokes who'd heard from somebody in the pub what had gone on and the usual thing when these things happen. But uh, they've now moved quickly to nip it all in the blood, uh, bud. Sorry. Luke's explained in his own words uh, what happened and I think that should be that um as i say an important player for the rhinos and with aiden caesar coming in next year i'm sure we're wanting to uh, stay there and form a good partnership with him all being well as i understand it that's the plan for aiden caesar to play at um at six next year with gail at seven interestingly my information is that leads who've been linked with Blake Austin, the um, standoff over at Warrington Wolves. Uh, I understand that Leeds are genuinely interested and they're quite close to um, to pulling that off. Right. But I think if he comes in, he won't be coming in as, as a first-choice halfback. He'll be coming to Leeds as somebody, as a pivot, who, who or somebody who can provide cover in the pivotal positions, which is clearly something they've lacked. Yes. This season they've had they've had injury problems. Obviously, out fullback with Jack Walker, he's got a serious foot injury, which is going to keep him out for the entire season. Um, it affected him for most of last year, and we don't know how that's going to going to develop. Um, the two first choice halves, Louis and um, Rob Louis and, and Gail, haven't played together yet this season. They've, there have been times when Leeds have had to play forwards in the halves. Um, a, a couple of times, both halfbacks were were forwards. They need extra cover for these key roles, and I think that if they can get Blake Austin in, and he won't be coming on marquee money, he um, he will. I understand be coming for for a deal that fits in with our budget. I think that's um, that could potentially be a good signing for um for them and certainly give them some more attacking options but yeah the, the plan is for for luke gale to carry on he's contracted till the end of next season he he wants to be at leeds leeds want him to be at leeds and and certainly as things stand at the moment that's um that's the plan all round w- one person who won't be at Leeds next year as we already knew is kevin simpson the director of rugby and um today he has or the club have announced that Sunday's game against Warrington will be his last with the club. He's leaving after that game to um, to begin his new role on the coaching staff of Leicester Tigers. So that's going to be quite an emotional moment. This is somebody who's been associated with the club for um, for most of his life. Now he's obviously a legendary figure at Leeds. The Club's greatest captain, rugby league's greatest captain, um, the most successful captain in Super League history. I think he's done a good job as director of rugby. He came into a difficult situation. He has turned things around. You can see with the signings that have been made recently with Caesar coming in. Um, they've signed James Bentley for next year. Um, Matt Pryor has re-signed for another two years, which is very 
very big news for um, for Rhinos. How he's well into his thirties, but he's been playing some outstanding rugby this season. The young kids who are coming through are going to stand the club in good stead. So I think the team, although it's a tough year at the moment with just a succession of things that have gone wrong, really, I think the team going forward is going to be in decent shape. Um, and all anybody associated with the Rhinos can do is wish Sir Kev all the best for his um, for his new career. It's a shame he's going to rugby union. I'll make no bones about that. I wish he was staying in in rugby league. Rugby league can't really afford to lose people of that calibre, but um, he's he's still going to be a rugby league person at heart. He'll be an ambassador for rugby league, I think, even if he's playing the other code. Um, sorry, playing coaching the other code. I think he probably would still play a fairly decent game with the union. Um, he's going to be coaching the other code, and um, and I think he leads and rugby league will very much remain in his heart. He said that he's going to he'll be headingly watching as a spectator when his commitments allow, and um, just good luck to him. I hope he I hope he does well. At Leicester and um, and wherever that takes him. Yes, I, I'd agree with you that he certainly helped to turn Leeds around. There's no doubt about that. It was all a bit of a mess when he came in, wasn't it? And uh, they appointed Dave Ferner, but that didn't work out. But they, they moved on quickly. And you know, as I say, the, the longer that the relationship between the club and Kevin's gone on, the stronger Leeds have, have got on the pitch obviously they couldn't do anything about the COVID pandemic and whatever that's done to the team and the finances and the fixtures and everything else uh, the same as all clubs but as you say if they can get Aidan Caesar in for next season and they've kept Matt Pryor if Blake Austin as, as you're reporting looks like he's coming too uh, coupled with the young players that are already at Leeds and the existing talent then certainly uh, looks good for Leeds in the longer term and you know that's contest for a better legacy really from Kevin as you say he is Mr Leeds really and uh, been a great servant for them on and off the pitch and for the sport of rugby league in general as you say it is a shame that he's leaving the code um, but as we, again as we've said on here many times Union has the money and the sway, doesn't it and uh, you know you can't blame him for looking after himself and his family you He's, he's certainly done his years for Rugby League and uh, helped with the promotion of that and all the things he did for his friend Rob Burrow too, um, which I'm sure he will continue as well uh, once he goes to Leicester. Uh, but, you know, sad day, but also right to note everything that Kevin has done for Leeds and wish him all the best for the future. Yeah, he's, um, he's a thoroughly good bloke. Um and he, he doesn't know oh, rugby league anything. No. He's um, he's been fantastic for the game. And as I say, I wish him all the best at Leicester and, and at Rugby Union. I, I would think he's the sort of personality who um, who could go a long way in, in that code and following the footsteps of, of other rugby league converts who've made a real impact in, um, in Rugby Union. Yeah. And just finally this week, Peter, just a quick look at the upcoming fixtures. Again, COVID's already wreaked havoc um, through this week's fixtures again. 
and uh, obviously no real guarantee at this stage even how many of the ones that we discuss or expect to go ahead will do ultimately um you know no wake as you've mentioned earlier wakefield's games off on monday isn't it they're due to go to catalans on thursday which will be a, a tough assignment for them um I'd, again as we say most weeks i'd like to think that wakefield could get something there but catalans just seem to be in that real winning habit at the moment don't they the last two or three games have given the opposition leads twice and hull kr a head start and then just come storming back in the second half and won the games and uh, certainly seem to be deserved leaders of the competition at the moment. Um, other game, you know, as you mentioned, Castleford's game against Lee uh, went earlier in the week, didn't it? And Huddersfield and St. Helens tomorrow was another game that, that's gone. Uh, it's just, uh, just piling up the fixtures even more though, isn't it? Um, it's hard to see how they can complete the season or all teams can complete all the games this season. Um, with the issues that are still ongoing. Well, there's no, there's no chance of that happening. Absolutely no chance of that happening. Um, one suggestion that has been muted is if the World Cup was uh, postponed till next year, which I don't think will happen. I hope won't happen. Um, Old Trafford is booked for November. Yeah. So this season could be expanded until then um, with the grand final taking place on the day of the World Cup final was due to take place and then it could allow all clubs to play them all or the majority of their um, their fixtures I, th I think the priority has to be to get the world cup on but um well that's obviously a backup position but it, it it is getting to the stage where you just don't know when fixtures are going to be played at the moment, the games are being called off or rearranged at very short notice. And full credit to Hulk KR, who at just a few days' notice last week went to Catalans for um, for a rearranged game when Castleford weren't able to go. Um, and they put up a fantastic fight there and, and only lost by a couple of points, which was terrific effort in their first game for a month. They've had seven games called off now, their game um, at Salford this week has been postponed they're sitting in playoff positions as we speak but um, on on win percentage they've played 11 um, and won, a, won 6 and they're 6 and Leeds have played 14 and won 7 and they're 7th um, they're but the, the concern for OKR is they're not going to reach the 18 games needed to, to qualify for the playoffs so that's something that the competition is going to have to have to look at um but yeah it, it it's it's very difficult isn't it i think this is it's not just sport that this is affecting but clearly um the fact that players are getting tested regularly and um identified on on test and trace ones that haven't got the the virus are having to isolate um the players are being tested all the time so there's more chance of them testing positive for the virus obviously um there's some in the game who were saying well we shouldn't test them as much i'm not sure the wisdom of that really considering we're talking about a, a serious illness yeah. but um but the game's got big problems with that and it makes it very difficult for for fans to plan as well i think that might be one of the factors why the 
code is struggling to to get fans back who who've, who've clearly were supporting teams before the pandemic um and some of them are obviously staying away now you look at the most worrying statistic of last week was the crowd at wakefield of five and a half that sorry the crowd at wigan for the visit of wakefield five and a half thousand yeah last week when there was no restriction on capacity clearly fans i think some fans have got out of the habit after a year and a half of of being unable to to um to attend games and i also think some are understandably nervous about being part of a big crowd yeah which as i say totally un- understandable when there's no um there's no social distancing although clubs are trying to to create spaces for fans who who want to be able to social distance but i think that's that's um having a bearing and also the fact that you just can't plan because you don't know for certain that the game's going to be on or not people are reluctant to buy tickets if there's a fear that the game will be rearranged for a date we can't attend or or won't happen yeah. even if there is possibility of refunds or whatever so it's um it's difficult it really is difficult and i don't think super league's helping itself by the scheduling either either look at the forthcoming fixtures it's just ridiculous. Leeds play at Hull on Thursday and then have a game on Sunday yeah. at home to Warrington. Thursday to Sunday. Utterly ridiculous. Um, then they back up again against Castleford, hopefully, the following Friday. That How is that protecting player welfare? How is that protecting the integrity of the competition? How is that giving full value from for money for fans by the Castleford game Leeds are going to be out on the feet yeah this is the second time they've done this this season a, a fixture pilot like this three games in nine days is just it's just not on in the modern sport players are too big and too strong um to 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 um to be able to handle that it's a collision sport yeah they shouldn't be playing more than once once a week um and I think by imposing ridiculous fixture lists like this the games the game is shooting itself in the foot and it's also not going to do England's chances of winning the World Cup any good at all either um, so you know it, it's hard to be upbeat about about things when when you're in a situation like that I don't want to be watching Leeds play three times in, in nine days that's hard enough actually having to play in those games is um, is just just beyond what we should be expecting from the um, the players. I've spoken to quite a number of players about it. They've all been fairly stoic and they're saying, well, you know, it's the cards we've been dealt, we'll just get on with it. But um, they shouldn't be expected to do that, in my opinion. No, it's, it's, it's mad, as you say, you know, the whole thing at the moment. I was saying to you before we came on air that, I, you know, I just don't know what's got... You kind of flick up the fixture list on a Monday morning to see where everyone is this week, or you flick it up before we come on air just to see who's playing who, where and when. And all the games now seem to... I mean, on Thursday, there were more games scheduled for Thursday, I think, than any other day of the week, which at one time was the fourth Sky game that nobody wanted to be involved with. And then you're not having games on a weekend, presumably not to clash with other events... Um, that are taking place and obviously the Olympics and things are on at the moment as well so I don't know if that's part of the thinking but as you say the, the Leeds 
schedule's mad. Wakefield was supposed to play in France on Thursday, weren't they? And then back at Bellevue on Monday with all the travelling and everything else that that entails. Uh, so basically, no, I would imagine no recovery, just a quick captain's run and back at it again. And we pointed out on here several times that the old Easter favourite, Good Friday, Easter Monday, um, people we used to go mad about that, or the games authorities saying that, well, although the fans want it, it's not really suitable for our players to be playing uh, in that period of time. But all of a sudden now, it's 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 fine for the players to be flogged three times in nine or ten days. Um, and, and as you say as well, n- nobody benefits from that. The players don't, the spectacle doesn't. The fans themselves think, well, you know, the third Leeds game, they're all going to be dead on their feet. So if it's on the telly, I'll just watch it on the telly and see what happens for an example. Um, but even there doesn't seem to have been that many TV games lately either, does there? You know, the, I think last f- Thursday or Friday I was looking and I don't know. Everything just seems to be a mess at the moment and uh, everything really needs a good shake-up, I hope. If we get through this season and, and get through the World Cup and start next season with a clean sheet of paper, he says, idealistically, and, uh, you know, get, get back to how we were at least. And, uh, you know, I know that certain things can't be avoided and they've got contractual obligations to TV companies and to sponsors and to the players themselves. But, you know, it's just doing more good, uh, sorry, apologies, doing more damage than good as far as I can see. Uh, as more of an armchair fan than a, than somebody who's able to go to live games on a regular basis, but somebody who follows it as part of his job and as you know as as an interest and does watch the games regularly on the TV, um, you know something needs to be done. And whether that's a, a new body to run the game or whatever, uh, they need you know some serious planning uh, after after the World Cup. Hopefully. The World Cup will be a success. It'll go ahead, be a success, and that'll give us some impetus then into 2022. And on that note, Peter, I think uh, we'll call it a draw for this week. Uh, just my usual weekly reminder that you can get the latest rugby league news from Peter's Twitter feed at Peter Smith YEP or my own at Richard Byron YEP or at YP Sports Desk and YEP Sports. In addition, you can hear this uh, podcast on the usual platforms, Spotify, sorry, Anchor, Google. And you can also hear it via the Yorkshire Evening Post website, yorkshireeveningpost.co.uk. Well, there's also a very good article by Peter this week, his column. Oh, um, had <laughs> A wry look at the game, out-of-the-box solutions to some difficult rugby league problems Peter's written about this week and it's very good I recommend that you give that a read if you get two minutes but for now we'll call it time and we'll be back soon